Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, and it is Groundhog Day today. Uh, also, my brother Ben's birthday, my daughter's half birthday. They always had a little competition going there. Uh, but a lot of times we feel like we are in Groundhog Day perpetually, especially as it relates to our politics in the country. Uh, and whenever we have that Groundhog Day moment, uh, we look to our good friend, independent pollster Scott Rasmussen, uh, who's also our tag team partner for the Deseret News Hinckley Institute of Politics polls that we do here in the state of Utah. Scott, thanks for joining us. Boyd, as always, it's a pleasure. I didn't know it was Groundhog Day, and I didn't know about the birthdays and the half birthdays, but there's still a lot to talk about. <laughs> there's still a lot to talk about today. Uh, and and it, I know some people, just because of the pandemic, are worried it's been Groundhog Day for almost a year now. Right. And uh, and some from politics. Uh, I had a neighbor the other day say, uh, you know, I, I just shut it off for a while, but I turned it back on after a couple of months. And I don't think it, anything moved yet. Uh, but uh, as you're as you're looking at the uh, the voice and the the temperature and the temperament of the country, uh, what are you sensing right now as you uh, poll across? So we'll talk about pandemic in a second, but kind of in some of your general national polling, uh, what's the what's the feel and flavor out there right now? Oh well, if you're leaving out the pandemic, you're leaving out the big part of the story. But you know, but what I'm seeing is a hardening once again of partisan lines. Uh, you know, this is something that has been going on and getting stronger and stronger in our politics for at least 25 or 30 years. Um, and we are truly at a point where uh, Democrats simply don't think Republicans have anything worthwhile to contribute and Republicans don't think Democrats have anything worthwhile to contribute. And so they both want to just they don't want to acknowledge uh, something from the other side. And this is true whether I ask about, um, you know, the the upcoming impeachment trial or if I ask about, you know, why are governors behaving the way they are with lockdowns and things or anything else. We have moved right back into a uh, Republicans say one thing, Democrats say the opposite. And what's really unnerving about this is both of them think that it is the political actions that drive the country. Uh, but as, as you know, some of my polling on the pandemic shows it's actually other things. It's the real world that make, makes, uh, brings about change. And the political leaders, by developing these false narratives, are just furthering their disconnect with the nation. Mm. And that's such an important point. I know you've written about this extensively, uh, that that disconnect uh, between the, the politicians and the people uh, is is getting greater. It's getting larger. And uh, where, where does that put us uh, in terms of future? What's what do you see on the horizon as we move into what will obviously be a, a crazy midterm election? But uh, what, what does that do for the country? 
Well, you know, I think what it does for the country is it lets us know that it will get worse before it gets better overall. There is going to be a complete reshuffling of the political uh, alignments. Um, A lot of the demographic assumptions that we've had in recent years will simply be shaken up. You know, I would expect that uh, as time goes on, minority voters will see more of a home in the GOP and other voters will begin to shift away from the GOP. But exactly what that alignment looks like, I don't really know. Um, And I think the reason I don't know it is because it it hasn't been created yet, and it will be a next-generation leader, somebody who is significantly younger than uh, Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi and President Biden and others. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we had a great piece in the Deseret News by uh, Sam Benson, uh, talking about that next generation. And while all these older folks are, are arguing and yelling about it, uh, I think to use a, a very kind term, they're they're going to age out <laughs> eventually. And a, a younger group is going to determine the future of both of those parties. That's right. And, and again, it will be much different. Uh, you know, one example I've been talking about lately is in the 1920s, um, African-Americans uh, all voted, almost all voted Republican. Mm. Um, And even as late as 1960, Richard Nixon got about a third of the black vote against John Kennedy. But it took four decades of change before the African-American vote became a reliable Democratic constituency. We're going to see shifts like that among many uh, demographic groups over the next generation. And what we're going to have to look for are the small changes at first, because it doesn't happen, uh, you know, between – the 2020 election, the 2022 midterms. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Well, let's shift to the uh, to the pandemic. You've written about this this week. You've got some new polling uh, out in terms of the uh, mood of the nation as it relates to the vaccine. Yeah, the pandemic itself, uh, pessimism is way down. And I should caution, it's, it's bounced uh, up and down quite a bit. You know, last June it was uh, very, very low, and then it spiked again in July and came back down. Uh, as the presidential election was approaching. But right now, 33% of voters nationwide believe the worst of the pandemic is behind us. 40% believe the worst is still. So still a slightly negative assessment. But to give you a sense, the number who say the worst is yet to come uh, is down 28 points Mm. since Thanksgiving. Late November, 68% said the worst is yet to come. And the vaccine is a big part of it. Uh, Two reasons I can point to uh, right away on that. Among the still relatively small number of voters who have been vaccinated, a plurality believes the worst has come and gone. They're, you know, they're more likely to say, yeah, it's behind us rather than in front of us. And the second part of that, among uh, people like me who have not been vaccinated, half do know somebody who has been through that process. They've you know, they have a close friend or family member who has been vaccinated. And so this is, you know, as the vaccine plays out, as it rolls out and more and more people are vaccinated, um, if it works, as we all hope and pray that it does, um, or the various uh, vaccines do, uh, optimism is going to grow very rapidly. Yeah. If there are hiccups, that will also, that will just, unfortunately, increase pessimism once again. Yeah, uh, real quickly, just about a minute to go, and I want to get to uh, kind of the impact of some of that more optimistic view uh, in that it is creating uh, at least a, a trend towards some complacency, either about getting the vaccine or wearing a mask in public. How do you see that playing out? 
Well, lots of signs saying people are beginning to uh, back off on restrictions. 49% say it's time to ease restrictions where they are. Only 33% want to go in the other direction. Half believe the Biden administration will go too far in placing restrictions on personal behavior. Only 32% believe they won't go far enough. And when you come to masks, well, about a third of the population says, you know what, I'm already comfortable going out in public without a mask. Uh, or I will be very soon. Another third says it's going to be six months or maybe never, and there's a group in between. But again, there's, you know, I think what we're seeing is uh, as people get more optimistic or as they become less worried or pessimistic, then all of a sudden you're going to see real pressure to open very quickly. As you mentioned a little bit ago, people do feel like it's been Groundhog Day for a year, and they can't wait to wake up to another morning. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, great stuff, as always. We've got uh, both of Scott's articles posted on our Facebook page. You can also get those at Deseret.com. Uh, Scott Rasmussen, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd. All right. Uh, we'll go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, as promised, we're going to talk about why we the people must be the people. Find out what that means next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.